Um, and that, is, that song is such a beautiful summary of the Easter story, God. Um, but in this, mo- in this moment, this morning, today, God, we want to enter into just a section of it, God. We're still on this road heading towards the cross, God, and we want to hear what you have to say to us in a specific part of this story, God. So would we be able to enter in this morning um, to understand everything that you had to go through um, so in order that you could save us, that you could be um, our Messiah, God, that we cry, Hosanna, Lord, save us out to you. Uh, and you are faithful and true to that promise, God. We love you, and we hope to hear something from you that we need to hear this morning, God. It's your name we pray. Amen. So you guys can grab a seat. Joel is going to, with some assistance, pass out some papers and pens for you guys. And I would highly encourage you to grab a physical Bible. I love the Bible app. That's great. Um, I've had this conversation with a few students. I think it is so important for you guys to be holding a physical Bible, opening your physical Bible. Um, I believe God speaks to us in many ways, but I just think there's something so special about holding the actual Bible. So um, you don't have to have one. Maybe just look on with a friend. Um, But I'd encourage you in your devotions at home and all that jazz to be reading your own actual physical Bible. Um, So look on with a friend or just be listening up. It'll be on the screen, too. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27 this morning. If you guys want to flip there. All right. So to get us started this morning, um, Joel kind of stole my thunder a tiny bit because I was going to talk about Palm Sunday. Um, But you guys are really smart. You're familiar with Palm Sunday. Um, So you know what that's about. Um, But just really quick recap. It's when Jesus, before, so this Road to the Cross series that we've been in, this is our third uh, section of that series. Before any of that happens, though, before Caiaphas, which is the high priest that we talked about last week, before any of that happens, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on this donkey, and the people are throwing down palm branches. That's why we call it Palm Sunday, which I thought was kind of like, why do we call it Palm Sunday and not like Jesus' entry Sunday? Like it's just a better name, I guess. But So they throw down the palm branches. They throw down these jackets because they believe that Jesus is this king, this political ruler, this political savior that's going to come in and overturn the Romans and put things back to the way that they were supposed to be, where the Jewish people believed that they were supposed to be, which was in charge free from this rule that had been over them, which if you guys know the history of Israel, they have a long history of being ruled over by dictators, and by this point, they're probably really sick of it. And so they're crying Hosanna, which we sang that song this morning. Does anyone know what that that word means? I said it in my prayer, so I spoiled it, but what? God saves, yeah, Lord save us. And I think it's interesting to think about that phrase uh, it is an act of worship, if you think about it one way, but it's also an act of political defiance. So the people that are crying that out to Jesus are defying the Roman Caesar, who is actually called Lord. They, the, the Caesars thought of themselves basically as like God or connected to God, and they were the ultimate power. They were they would be called Lord. And so it's actually an act of political defiance to say, to Jesus, Lord, save us. But... You guys have already heard about this a little bit this morning, but um, Jesus had kind of a different idea about how to save us and what specifically we needed to be saved from, and people weren't so thrilled about that. So Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a Sunday, and by Friday morning, Jesus has been betrayed, arrested, denied, and interrogated. It's a pretty quick turnaround. Um, And he'd been accused of blasphemy, of claiming to identify with God or to be God. 
and that he would destroy the temple. So we talked about that when Joel was speaking on Caiaphas. He said some of these things that people have taken and said, he's claiming to be God. He's claiming to be this revolutionary that's going to do crazy things. We need to, to arrest him. And the Jewish leaders are aggressively saying that Jesus should be put to death. And so that's where we're going to pick up the story in Matthew chapter 27. It's going to be on, your, on the screen, and if you have a Bible, we're starting in verse 15, <clears throat> and we're going to skip verse 19, so I'm just going to jump to, to verse 20. Um, so <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 27, it says this. Now, it was the governor's custom, the governor, that's Pilate, that's who we're talking about today. It was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. And so if you guys know, it's the festival of Passover, right? In Israel's history, Passover is where if the Israelites had put the blood of this lamb over their doors, that the, the angel of death would pass over their households. And so the releasing of this prisoner was kind of this, the symbolism of like, um, this, this person's life is being spared. And so that's kind of what that tradition is about. Kind of cool that it connects to that. Um, at that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. What are the odds that guy's name is also Jesus? Um, so when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. That's super interesting, and we're going to come back to that. Uh, verse 19, um, excuse me, verse 20, jumping down there. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of, the, which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah, Pilate asked. They all answered, everyone collectively, the crowd, answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. And when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. And all the people answered, his blood is on us and our children. Lord have mercy. Um, then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed over to him to be crucified. So last week, Joel talked about Caiaphas and how the other uh, religious teachers and priests believed that Jesus was a blasphemer, that he was claiming to be God, and that was like a capital offense to them. That's like the biggest sin that you could commit. That's the biggest deal. And so they believed that since Jesus was claiming to be God, that he needed to be put to death. But the Jews themselves aren't able to carry out this sentence, because if you're familiar, if you know the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, the Jewish religion, it has a lot of these rules and regulations, and one of the most famous, it's in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder, right? So they can't do this themselves, and so they're looking for another way, and they think, okay, these Romans are here, and we hate that they're here because they're ruling over us, and we don't think that that's how it should be, but at least while they're here, we can, we can use this situation to our advantage, so they saw an opportunity to get rid of Jesus by appealing to the Romans. And that's why um, Caiaphas was the high priest of the Jewish religion. And now they're bringing him to Pilate, who's the Roman governor, who's kind of the one that's going to pass the sentence. And so that's why they bring Jesus to Pilate. And I think it's so interesting. We read in verse 18 that, that Pilate, it says that Pilate knew that it was out of envy or out of, um, what does the verse say up here? Um, 
self-interest, out of envy or self-interest that they delivered Jesus up to him. So clearly they're not even being subtle about their personal bias towards Jesus because Pilate can see that. And so here they are. They bring him to Pilate. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about three different responses from the story uh, that people have to Jesus. And then maybe we're, at the end we're going to be talking about what our, res- what our potential response could be in light of these, these three responses from the story. So those will be on your sheet there. And the first one is the crowd's response, which is to shout at Jesus. So keep in mind that we just talked about Palm Sunday, and uh, in the beginning of, the, when Joel talked about it in the beginning of this, this message, uh, that on Palm Sunday, this was the crowd that was shouting for Jesus to save them. And so the crowds had bought into this idea that Jesus was this political deliverer, and that's who they were expecting him to be. And when that's not exactly how Jesus is trying to go about things, it's amazing how quick they just change their minds and they get frustrated and they get all riled up. And the religious leaders are the ones that are saying, they're just going around saying, hey, we should, you should say this about Jesus. You should get angry because he's not who he said he was going to be to you. And so it's the religious leaders that are kind of riling up the crowd, but they all just get into this mob mentality. And in this passage, you see how effective something like that can be, where all these people are just getting together in this group, and they're all united, and they're angry, and they're yelling. It's actually going to have an effect later on in, 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 the, in the passage. And so, um, and just for a little perspective, I thought this was interesting reading through the story, too, that they're literally so angry, they get so riled up, that they're willing to have an actual, like, well-known murderer be released back into their community um, rather than, than have Jesus who's like this, you know, who's really, he's just healed people, he's taught, and um, maybe he's making some crazy claims, but he's not a murderer. But they'd rather have this murderer kind of come out into their midst. And so the crowd is just shouting uh, for Jesus to be crucified. And I think, I mean, not in such extreme ways, but I think it can be easy for us, too, to kind of jump on um, bandwagons sometimes of, people who, who you know who might have been angry at God, or maybe you've been, you've been angry at God in your life before, or you are right now, and we just get caught up in these things where it's just easy to bash Jesus and Christianity um, because we want people's approval, or because we're trying to win them over by being like them, or because that's actually just where we're at in our faith journeys, um, that we feel this anger, and I think that often comes from a place of not really knowing who Jesus is or what Jesus is about. And um, I think that's a lot of times that anger is coming from a misplaced um, kind of point of view. Um, but maybe you feel like Jesus has fallen short of your expectations for him. Like, just like the crowd, they thought Jesus was going to do a specific thing for them. Um, and maybe Jesus didn't give you exactly what you wanted. Uh, and you thought that things would be easier. Uh, you heard about this kind of uh, maybe it's, you've heard of it called the prosperity gospel, where everything was going to be easy and you were going to have no problems in your life, and you're kind of ticked that that didn't end up happening. So that's the first response to Jesus, where we can get all riled up, we can get angry when Jesus doesn't conform to our own expectations of him. We can kind of get into this mob mentality and shout at Jesus for not being the way that we think he's supposed to be. So the second way is Pilate's response. And... We can also often respond to Jesus in the same way that Pilate does, which is that Pilate simply sheds the weight of being connected to Jesus. So I think Pilate's the most interesting character in this story. He's, 
I think he's really complicated, actually. I studied English in college, and so my English major brain was like doing all these like, oh, what's his motive here, and why is he doing that? And um, as I was thinking about it, the first thing that it's important to remember, he's just trying to do his job. Um, at the time of the Passover, there's tons of people that are flooding into the streets of Jerusalem, and um, as the crowd is getting continually more and more riled up, Pilate's just really worried that like a riot's going to start. Um, and you see that in the passage, actually, it says that. And so he's really just trying to keep the peace. He doesn't want to make his boss mad, uh, and that's the first thing. He's really just a guy that's trying to do his job. Um, but there's a few interesting details that Matthew puts in there about Pilate. Um, and you, we see this when, when Pilate asks what should be done with Jesus, right? The crowd cries in response that he should be crucified. And I think this is another specific interesting thing about Pilate, that he's actually seeking to be kind of an impartial judge here. Uh, there's this whole other trial earlier in, in Matthew where they bring forward all these false witnesses and no one can bring any evidence against Jesus that he should actually be killed. And so Pilate's saying, like, look, if we're going to do something this extreme, I want to see some reason why Jesus should actually be crucified. So he says, why? What crime has this man committed? And so the Jewish leaders are trying to get Jesus crucified on the grounds that he's this political revolutionary and that he's a threat to Rome. And I think at this point in the story, Pilate just doesn't see that. He, he also feels like there just hasn't been enough evidence to say, no, actually, I feel like Jesus is a credible threat to the Roman Empire, so we should put him to death. Um, I think that's interesting. He's actually trying to be impartial, and he's trying to stick up for Jesus a, a little bit in this sense of saying, like, I don't feel like there's enough evidence to convict him. And so Matthew tells us, uh, again, it's, this is in the passage, he says that when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took the water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. And he said, I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. And I don't know if you've ever, you guys have ever heard this saying. There's actually like a, a kind of common phrase of saying, like, oh, I wash my hands of this. And if you, if you haven't heard it, it basically just means, like, I don't want any part of this. This, this is not my fault. If you guys keep going with whatever you're doing, everything's on you. Um, it's probably not as common of a thing anymore, but I actually heard it a lot when I was growing up. And so that's what Pilate's doing here. He's like, I don't want to be any part of this. He's trying to back off and just say, like, this is all you guys, and I'm just trying to stop a riot from happening. So that's what he's doing with the whole washing his hands thing. That's kind of what that means. And so Pilate's doing something that we in our lives do a lot more than we realize, and something that I know I've done in my own life. Um, it's, so he's letting kind of the opinions of others affect his actual view of Jesus. He is kind of passively choosing to not decide for himself who he thinks Jesus is or what Jesus has done because it's too costly to his reputation and his social position, and he's just trying to keep the order. So he doesn't want to, like, like have any kind of connection to Jesus because he feels like there would be a cost if he was to stick up for Jesus. He feels like things would go wrong. And I think that we can also be this kind of passive way in our own relationships with Jesus. I don't know if you guys have had these seasons where once in a while maybe you'll hear a song at Sanctuary or, or in Well that, that really moves you, or you'll hear a sermon or a message that just, like, it's something that is exactly what you needed to hear. Um, and um, so you, you feel really motivated in these moments of your faith. 
where something just really hits you hard and you feel like you're motivated and then you do the whole camp thing of like, I'm going to go out and do this every day. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to do all these things. But then that temptation pops up again or, um, I don't know, you just would rather be mean to your family because it's so much easier than being nice to them and after all, they're your family and they have to love you. Uh, or you just want to cuss as much as the, the people on your sports teams do because you want to fit in with them and you, you don't want to have to stick up for Jesus because that would be costly to your reputation. It would, it would cost too much for your own agenda, what you're trying to do, what you got going on. And so you kind of just back off of Jesus and let other people have their own opinions about him. You're not really going to stick up for him because that's too costly for you. And I know that that is something I've definitely struggled with. Even though I went to a Christian high school, um, there was times in my life where I kind of just backed off of Jesus and kind of let other people walk all over him. And so a third specific response, um, it, it isn't actually from a specific character in the story, but I thought it was interesting reading through this passage again. It's, this is one of those passages where if you've been around long enough, you've read it, and it starts to like maybe not affect you as much. But this is something I noticed this time, is that where are people like Lazarus and Mary Magdalene and just like all the people that have been healed by Jesus, they're not in this story. And I thought that that was interesting. So it's what I called the unwritten response, um, which is that it's being silent in response to those who ask who Jesus is. And I think that there's tons of people in the crowd, too, that maybe they got just caught up in being riled up or angry, or maybe they're just standing there not doing anything. Um, because there, there has been all these people that Jesus has affected their lives. He's changed their lives for the better. Um, but for whatever reason, they're just choosing to remain silent. And I felt like reading through the story again, I noticed that silence is just as much an act of condemning Jesus to death as verbally accusing him is. Because they're not doing something to stick up for Jesus, to save Jesus when they could have said something. And so... I just want to end by talking about what our response is going to be today. Because I think, if we're honest, all of us have made one of these choices at some point. Um, maybe recently. Um, I feel like in my own life, I have made all of, all of these choices so far, all these things of being silent or being passive and just kind of backing away from Jesus or just shouting at Jesus, being so angry at him um, that I didn't, I didn't want him to be any part of my life. And so maybe that's where you guys are at this morning. Maybe you're just really over Jesus, and he hasn't done for you what you thought he was going to do for you, so you're just shouting at him, maybe just emotionally, maybe just in your head, maybe when you're alone in your room, you're just shouting at Jesus, and you don't want him to be a part of your life. Maybe that's the decision that you're making, um, and that's okay. And maybe you felt a connection uh, with Jesus, and you've admired what the church is trying to do in the world, and then you just find out that it's too costly to be a part of what Jesus is about. You'd have to give up too much about the way that you're living your life, the way that you think um, that things should be done, the control that you have in your life, and you've just chosen to kind of back away um, because Jesus being connected to him would just cost too much for you. And maybe that's the decision that you've made. Um, or maybe you've just stayed silent because you're not sure about Jesus, or you have a lot of questions and doubts, and you're wondering if the crowd or the religious teachers or Pilate had a valid point about Jesus. And you're, you're just not exactly sure, and so your response has been to just kind of wait it out or be quiet or just 
come to church and just sit here and then go home and you're just wrestling through a lot of things. And if that's you, I'd encourage you, go talk to your counselor. Um, they want to be talking to you about those, those, those things. And the scariest place to be when you're in the midst of all those questions is alone. And you can be <laughs> alone in a group of people like this. Because you can, you know, you can hide it really well. That you're, you're either that you're angry at God or that you have all these questions. Um, you can put up that mask and you can kind of get away with it. But I'd encourage you not to, because it's just more costly in the long run if you're not dealing with those things that are happening in your life. And so, this is my challenge for you guys this morning. This is what Jesus said to the disciples that he calls uh, in the Gospels. He, he just tells them simply, come and see. He invites them on this journey of discipleship with him to see what he is about, to see if he is who he says he is. Uh, and I'm willing to bet this has been true in my life, and, and I'm hoping and pretty sure that it's true in all of your counselors' lives as well, that he has proven himself time and time again that he is who he says he is. But just because you have questions or doubts or anger or emotion or just whatever is happening in your life, whatever decision you've made about Jesus at this point in your walk, you're still allowed to be on this road. You're still allowed to be on this journey, and we want you here. Um, at Trinity, like the high school group, we, I think a core value that we have is community, and we believe that life is better lived when we're together. And I know that sounds a little cheesy, but genuinely, like I've been walking with the seniors now for four years, and it has been the best journey that I've ever been on in my life because all of those things, all of the struggles, all of the joys, all of the burdens, we've been able to share those things together. And so this is the last thing on your sheet. Uh, this is our potential response this morning because if you want to make, like, if you just want to make another decision, if you need kind of a new opportunity, uh, if you need a recommitment, and I think about that word in terms of like camp and I wanted to say this to you guys. God put this on my heart, and, and it's just something that's really important to me, that like you don't have to wait until camp to make that decision. It's my personal conviction that you make that decision to follow Jesus every day of your life. You get out of bed in the morning, and you start all over again because you know that you failed the last day, um, but that Jesus has already given you grace for that, and you commit to following him every day of your life. And so I believe that our response should be to seek Jesus with our whole lives. And that's a really broad concept. That's a really broad idea. Um, but I just want to encourage you guys that if you are in that place of not having answers for your questions or answers for your anger or whatever it is that's going on, um, it doesn't come all at once. But if you come on this journey, God will begin to reveal to you um, He'll begin to reveal to you these things, those answers. Um, he'll begin the healing process. And it all happens on this journey that we're on together. And I'd encourage you guys to walk with us. That's why we're calling it the road to the cross. That's what the series is called. Um, because it is an active process. It's a journey that, in, uh, you know, it necessitates us being actively involved in it. So whatever place you find yourself in this morning, I would encourage you um, to continue walking alongside your counselors and your, and your class and, and all of us here at Trinity High School Group. Um, so we, we love you guys, each and every one of you, wherever you're at this morning. You are welcome here. It is our hope and prayer that whatever response you've had to Jesus, whether that was a long time ago or recently, or you want to make this new commitment to seeking him every day, um, 
you belong here, you have a place here, you matter to us, uh, you matter a heck of a lot to Jesus, and we're going to talk about that on Friday. Um, if you guys come, uh, again, if you're on this journey with us, we're walking into Holy Week now, where we're going to be just talking about the most difficult week of Jesus' life and what it, what it cost him um, to be in a relationship with you and how much he loves you. And we're going to talk about all these things this week, and I'd encourage you to come um, see just how much of a priority you are to Jesus. So come check that out with us this week. Uh, we'll be going to all those services. And um, if you guys need prayer or anything for whatever situation you're in right now, um, there's not a ton of counselors, but we'll be here to stick around and pray for you. So uh, we love you guys, and just let me close this out in prayer. God, thank you so much uh, that whatever response we have we have given you before, God, whether that is, is anger or silence or just kind of backing away because we feel like it's too costly to be connected to you, wherever we're at, God, or if we've chosen before and are choosing today to continue to seek you, um, would you just love us wherever we're at? Would you just bless us? Um, and would you have us know that you love us too much to leave us where we're at, God? You want us to continue walking on this journey of, of faith with you because it's a process. Um, and we know that we have a safe space here to express those questions and doubts. Um, yeah, God, and you love us, and we can't wait to see just how much uh, as we hear about uh, just the rest of this holy week. And we love you.